so good, Lord. You are so Father, we thank you for your goodness. We know that it lasts every day and it will last for every generation. Your goodness shall never be removed from the presence of your children. And so we thank you, Father, for it. That though things may not look good around me, I can draw from your goodness and change them. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So good, so good. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Toph. Well, how's everybody doing? Woo-hoo! Let me do it again. How's everybody doing? Okay, I know it's a little overcast and it's a little drizzly outside, but what's going on in the outside doesn't have to affect what's going on in the inside. So we can pull on the gift of God, we can pull on the Holy Spirit, and we can choose to be happy, we can choose to be excited, we can choose to draw from Him. You know, external circumstances don't need to move us. In all these things, we are not moved, because in all these things, we are still more than conquerors. Amen? Am I going to have to preach a message to myself this morning? Garnet, you going to give me a hand? Garnet, Garnet's going to be my, my spokesman this morning. He's going to be all excited. Every time I say a good point, he's going to be like, Amen, Pastor! Woohoo! Yes. Going to hold you to that, Garnet. <laughs> Man, God is just so good. We had such a great time yesterday at the Pictures with Santa. It was so good to meet so many people from the community. And I just have to say, like, all night I was getting emails and messages from people saying, it was just so amazing. Thank you for the memories we were able to form. Thank you. It was, one person said, it was just such a great atmosphere. As soon as we walked in, it was different than anything I'd ever experienced. And I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, because we can kind of take for granted those things. We get, to, we get used to coming together at this church where we feel the peace of God and we feel His presence. There's people out there that have never experienced His goodness. Yeah. So when we don't get excited about, oh, God is good, guess what? If we don't, they won't, because they see it in you, right? Well, let's get on with today's message, or I'm going to preach another one. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this week about names. You know, I don't know what your full name is, but my name is Jordan Emerson Marshall, and the significance of my name comes from my great-grandfather, Emerson Thompson, who was a Pentecostal church pioneer. And so my parents named me in memory of him. And, you know, I find that there's always names of people that they stand out in your life. It kind of defines that name for you. Say, we'll use the name El Evelyn. And you've met someone in your life that was, Evelyn was just so great. She was such a nice person that whenever you hear the word Evelyn, you're like, oh, it makes me think of that person. 
Maybe it's your grandfather. Maybe it's a, just a friend. Maybe it's whatever. And it also works on the other side. There's probably been people in your life that the, the, their name and how they acted stood out so much that whenever you hear that name, you're like, oh, you remember them. You know, I think every parent's been through this situation when they're trying to name their children. You know, I would throw them out and Robin would be like, oh, we can't name them that because there was this person in high school and all I can ever think of is that and it's ruined the name for you. But you know that in the Bible that names are very important. You know, all the names that are in there aren't just randomly in there. You know, if you're, especially in the Old Testament when you're reading through the first five books of the Bible, it seems like there can be like these endless genealogies and you're like, oh my goodness, Holy Spirit, why did you put this in here? And some of them, yeah, they have no point. It, other than for us who look at, back at the Bible can do a connection and bring context. Oh, that person is now being told about here because they're the great-great-grandson of this king. And so it allows us to keep context that way. But in other ways... Names are very significant. If we look here at Luke chapter 3 and verse 23, this is a genealogy of Jesus. And it says, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. So this is the lineage of Joseph. And it goes through all these different names. You got, you got Joseph, you got Heli, you got Mathat, you got Levi, you got Melchi, you got Yana, you got another Joseph, you got... Mattahiah, you got Amos, you got Nahum, you got Esli, and all the way back to Adam, who Adam was the son of God. He was the beginning one. He came from God. God formed him. God created him. And so it shows us that the lineage on Jesus' supposed father's side goes all the way back to Adam. And we see the same thing reflected in Jesus' mother's side. It goes from Mary all the way back to the beginning. So that whichever way you reference Jesus, he goes all the way back to God. But these words, these names were not just put there pointlessly. And if we take a look at the meaning of each and every one of these names within the lineage, they actually begin to tell us a prophetic story. And now some of you have maybe heard this a few years ago, maybe some of this is new to you, but every word, every name has a meaning. My name Jordan means the one that's the ascender. And in the, it's no different in the Greek and the Hebrew. They all have a meaning. And so when you put them all together, here is the story that Jesus' lineage tells, starting from God and moving through Adam on. Starts this way. The God-man is appointed. A mortal man of sorrow is born. The glory of God shall come down from heaven and shall teach men that by means of his death, he shall comfort those who mourn. Who is it talking about in the beginning of this prophecy? Jesus. From the very beginning, God has been planning his rescue plan even before man failed. You know, it says about Jesus that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So even before God created us, he knew we would screw it up. And so he had already put Jesus in place from the beginning. And he says, there's going to be one who's born of the sorrow of man, who's going to comfort those by means of his death. And it goes on to say this. It says, the fame of the stronghold of Babylon. Now, Babylon is a representation of the fallen world. And it says, and sorrow extend their borders like a plant beyond the place of division at the Tower of Babel. But I will make 
Babylon fade away. So from the beginning, he said, even though the world will fall, don't worry, I'll make all of that fade away because of Jesus. And then it takes a turn. It says, a friend also branches out, snorting with fury. Well, who is that? That's the devil. He was a friend. He was created to be one of the archangels, and he moved away, snorting with fury. I'm going to exalt my throne above the throne of God. I, I, I. And he has his I statements. And so even from the beginning, God knew what was going to happen with Jesus, and he also knew the resistance that was going to come from the enemy. But it doesn't end there. It says, a glorious father, the father of a great multitude, laughs as he outwits his enemy. You know, the devil thought he had won when he beat Jesus. But he thought he beat Jesus. Really, it was Jesus laying his life down as a sacrifice. And if he would have known what would have truly happened when Jesus died, he never would have done it. And so God was sitting on his throne laughing, saying, Devil, you think you're pretty smart? Guess what? I just outwitted you. And it says, A righteous prince sees God. A mighty one fights. He joins himself to an assembly, a glorious people whom he rescued, strangers in a strange land, captives delivered by God. Who's he talking about? You! So in the lineage of Jesus, he references Jesus, he references the devil being defeated because of God's glorious plan, and he shows what he did. He took an assembly of glorious people. That's what he calls you. You're not just some nobody from Joe Blow, Ontario. You are a glorious people whom he rescued strangers in this strange land this world is no longer your home you are captives that have been delivered by God so whatever situation comes up against you you just remind yourself oh that's okay I've already been delivered by God oh and it gets better it doesn't end there. It says, one who praises the Lord breaks open the way into a safe place that is surrounded by a high wall. He's still talking about you, the assembly. And it says the ones that praise him, they go into the safe place and are surrounded by a high wall. You want to get out of the world's problems? Get into God. When you praise his name, you get healed, just like Rob was talking to you. He was just praying, praying to God, and he fell asleep, and he woke up healed. It's not like he was trying to do it. It just happened. You get with God, and good things happen. Yeah. And he says, Oh, my people who belong to the prince, a prophet clothed with strength and who serves the Lord, is here. Out of love, this beloved one paid the price for peace in order to set the people free and bringing them into a spacious land. So where did he take you? Did he take you into the, the four by four little slum? No, he took you into the spacious land because of his strength and because he came to serve God. Jesus didn't come for his own purpose. He came to serve God's purpose and that was to deliver you. And then it continues, it says, My Father is the Lord, the healer of him whom the Lord judged, then raised up. You know, there's a lot of talk about how at the end, we've got God's wrath and God's judgment. How can God judge you for something he already judged Jesus for? He judged him and he raised him up. The Lord has taken a hold of me. The Lord is strong. Mighty is the Lord. My strength and help are in the Lord. The Lord is perfect. 
I took hold of the strength of the Lord, and it made me forget my misery. Oh my goodness, that is amazing. I don't know about you, but that excites me. When I take hold of the Lord, there is no misery, there's no bitterness, there's no sadness, there's no trial or circumstance that hold me down. He makes me forget it, because His glory is greater. Amen. It says, truly... I am the master builder whom the Lord God healed, whom the Lord raised up, whom the Lord upholds, did uphold, and will uphold. No, he didn't just do it for a little bit. He did it forevermore. The work of Jesus will stand forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the work that you live in. The one that God upholds by his own hand. You don't have to try and uphold the world. We already got a God who does that. And it says this, I have asked God about the ransomed of the Lord, those exiled in Babylon. And it says, my father is awesome. Oh, that's just great right there. God will raise up a helper. Who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. The just one will the Lord raise up. God is my praise. God is the one who helps. May the gift of Jacob increase in greatness, for God is with us the Messiah and Savior of those called out of Babylon. That's one heck of a lineage. It's not just some random names that have been strewn together. God had a plan. God had a purpose. And it was all with you in mind. And he sent Jesus to fulfill it. So whatever your name has been, now, when I talk about names, I'm not talking about being Gail or Jessica or Garnet. I'm talking about the names that have been spoken over you. There's things that you've been born into. There's things that you've been raised in. There's things that have been, been defined your existence up until this point. This morning, I want you to get in touch with the name changer. And so you can join me all over in Genesis chapter 25. We're going to talk about Jacob and Esau this morning. You guys excited about that? Yeah. And in the story of Jacob and Esau, it starts like this in verse 19 of chapter 25. It says, this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. And Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it and said, why is this happening to me? And the Lord said, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when, it came, when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she indeed had, she first didn't, she indeed, oh my goodness, blah, blah, blah. She discovered that she did indeed have twins. There we go. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat, so they named him Esau. Now, if you just thought, okay, his name is Esau, that's great. You know, it's not a bad name. Do you know what Esau literally means? Hair. She named her oldest son Hair. You know, I get it. He's a hairy kid. You know, 
my kids were like bald as bald can be. Like Harrison didn't start getting hair until he was two. But then like Bennett had like this fur down his back. He was much different. I don't know how hairy this kid had to be to get the name Hair. But what a name to start your life with. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Jacob, hey, that's a great name. There's lots of people named Jacob out there. Do you know what Jacob means? It means heel or deceiver. Now, heel, that doesn't really mean much to us, but a generation ago, it actually it was an insult. Oh, you're such a heel. It meant that you were, you were a trickster, you were a jokester, you were a troublemaker. Oh, man, I think I, I picture your mom saying that. Maybe she has. You know, so she, he literally named his kids Hair and Heel. Imagine introducing your kids to people. Hey, come on, Hair, I want to introduce you to the neighbors. Hey, Heel, get over here. What ridiculous names. But I like what W.C. Fields, he was a, a comic from the early 20th century, he said, it ain't what they call you, it's what you answer to. And it doesn't matter what you've been called throughout your life, it's what you answer to, it's what you associate with. So they haven't had a good start. We got hair and heel. How does that define the rest of their life? You don't get the pick of the family you're born into. And they were no different. My goodness, Rebecca, what were you thinking? But it says, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. So he wasn't defined just by the hair. And he was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament and preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebecca loved Jacob. You know, I can, I, I, I don't know, I'd be happy with if Harrison became a hunter and brought me lots of wild game. I love it. So I can understand why Isaac loved Esau. But I, you can almost see he's associating himself with the name. Where do you find hairy animals? In the woods. So he went out and became a hunter of the woods. He's associating himself physically with what he's been named. And it says, one day Jacob was cooking some stew. And Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. And Esau said to Jacob, I am starved. Give me some of that red stew. And he said, all right, Jacob replied. But... Trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright now? Oh my goodness. You're that hungry that you're going to give up your birthright as the firstborn son? Now, if you don't understand what's going on, let me fill you in. When Isaac dies, Esau is in line to get double what Jacob gets. And let me just tell you this. Isaac was not poor. He was very, very, very rich. God had commanded him to sow in a time of famine, and he reaped 100-fold. Garnet, wouldn't you love that if 100% of the seeds you put in the ground sprung up? That's what happened with Isaac. And nobody else had food, and here is Isaac with a bumper crop. Who do you think he sold it to? All the people that were starving. He is not a poor guy. And so I, Esau is in line to get a double portion of what I, Jacob's going to, and he trades it because he was hungry. Now, I'm like, is this, really, was he that good of a hunter? You know, go back out and shoot a rabbit or something. Give yourself a little bit more time so you're not going to die of starvation. But no, he thought he was at the end of his rope. What's double portion for me? Just give me some of that red stew. 
But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, and thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, and Esau ate the meal, and then he got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. And it says this, it says, and this is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. And so we see that both the names that Esau becomes associated with have to do with his physical situations. He's a hairy kid, so he's called hair. He ate some red stew, so they start calling him red. He's associated himself with everything that is physically going on with him and what's going on around him. You know, we can do the same thing, that we can let what happens in our lives around us define who we are. But you may be in the land, but you don't actually, aren't actually a citizen of it. You're a citizen of heaven. So it may be going on around you, but it doesn't have to be going on in you and in the situations of your life. And so Esau was very physically minded in everything that his names were associated to. Maybe you've grown up in a family where sickness was the norm. You know, I know this one family, Robin and I, that they were always sick, and they were always talking sickness. And so now you know what's happened with their five kids? They're always sick, and they're always talking sickness because they associated themselves with everything physical that they've seen in their parents. You know, we pass on a legacy to our children, and we need to be mindful of the legacy we're leaving. We see families that have a, a, a matriarch or a patriarch that are worriers. What do you see? The children become worriers. We find families that they've come from a broke background. What do you see in the kids? The kids tend to grow up to be broke, just like their parents. But you don't have to be defined by the physical situations or the emotional situations that you've grown up with it. God is the name changer, and he can change your situation. He can turn it around, and that everyone in your generational line may have been one way, but guess what? You're in a new generational line. It can stop with you. So we don't get to choose the situations we're born into, but we do get to choose the legacy we leave behind by our actions and what we draw our strength from. And it's time for a new generation and a new name in you. Let go of all the things that have defined you and allow yourself to be defined in Jesus. So that was Esau's side of the story, but what about Jacob? Up until this point, we see Jacob steals his birthright from Esau. Then he goes on, and living up to his name as healer, deceiver, he then cheats his brother out of the blessing. And then his brother's like, you know what? I am done with you. I'm going to kill you, Jacob. And so Jacob runs for his life and is now living in a foreign land. But you know, that's everything that has defined Jacob up until this point. But you know, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, Jacob has an experience, and it goes a little bit like this. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba, and he traveled towards Haran, and at sundown he arrived at a good place, and he set up camp, and he stopped there for the night. And Jacob found a stone to rest his head against, and he lay down to sleep. He slept, and he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth 
up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down that stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. He says, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And he says, what's more? You know, I kind of think out of like the price is right. You know, the one door opens and they're like, oh, that's awesome. It's a new jet ski. But wait, there's more. It's a new car. And so God gives him this awesome blessing saying that you're going to spread out and your descendants are going to be so numerous. Then he said, what's more? I am with you. Think about that for a second. Everything else had to do with his future. But God is not just interested about your future. He's interested with your right now. And he says, I am with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Let's think about that in context of your life. What has the word said about you? What has God spoken to your heart by the Holy Spirit? He will not leave you until he has given you everything he has promised you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Maybe God's in your situation right now as bleak as it may look. And you haven't even been aware of his presence. He is here. So, up until this point, we've had Jacob the heel, the deceiver. He's cheated his brother at every opportunity he could. He's now on the run, and he's living with his uncle Laban. Really, he was a distant uncle. But what we find that after that one experience with God, Jacob's whole life begins to change. He's no longer deceiving people. He's no longer cheating people. Actually, we find God blesses and increases Jacob even while he's working for an unfair boss. Maybe your boss is a jerk. That's okay. God can still bless you where you are. Maybe you are the boss and you need to change the way that you think about your employees. Just a thought. But he was working for an unfair boss and God was still able to bless him and expand him. And his boss was blessed because of him. And then Jacob goes back after all these unfair situations with his boss. And he goes and makes peace with his brother Esau. Something changed in Jacob's heart that day that he no longer allowed himself to be defined by I'm not just a heel, I am not a deceiver. I'm the one whom God is with and God is blessing. And so Jacob's actions change from that moment on. And God blesses him, and he ends up leaving from his uncle, and he's just so, so wealthy, so blessed, that they're just a huge caravan traveling back. And then God, he has another experience with God in Genesis 32, 27. And God says, what is your name? And the man, who's Jacob, asked, he said, he replied, Jacob. And he said, you'll no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel. And Israel means God prevails. But you know that Jacob's heart changed first 
and his name changed second? God can change your heart in an instant, but it took a while for everybody else to, be in see, to see it in him. Even when he came to make peace with Esau, Esau was kind of like, mm, I'm not sure, are you still the same trickster that cheated me out of everything? But you know what? When you live out of your heart rather than your situation, people eventually begin to see there's something different about you. And how they think about your name begins to change. And maybe they thought about your name in disdain before, that you're untrustworthy, unreliable, yada, yada, whatever, put whatever you want in there. But you hold the course with God and people begin to see the difference. But I want to tell you this morning, if you are God's, you already have a new name. You know, I may have been Jordan Marshall, but the day I accepted Jesus, I became Jordan Marshall, son of the Most High God, brother of Jesus. My name has already changed. I don't need everyone else around to see it. I know it's changed. I love what Galatians 3 says. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on a new pair of new clothes. I love that. Because that means every morning I get to choose what I put on. So when I wake up in the morning, I choose to put on Christ. God, I choose to put on the blessings you've given to me in Jesus. I choose to put on the health. I choose to put on the wisdom. I choose to put on the joy. I choose to put on the peace. I choose to put on any encouragement that I need because it all comes to me in Jesus and it fits on like a new suit. It says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. What he's trying to say there is, you are not your background any longer. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham and are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham, everyone say that with me, belongs to me. So Jacob may have been blessed because of the blessing that was passed down from Abraham, but you are blessed because that blessing landed on Jesus and you've been made one with him. It's not something that you have to contend for. It's not something that you have to try and earn. You've already been given freely because of Jesus. You've already had the only introduction you need with the name changer. So whatever situation you've been going through, guess what? He's already changed your name. And the only name you need to speak is Jesus. It's the only one that matters in your situation today. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, you go ahead and you speak Jesus. Because Jesus can take the bad and make it good, and he can take the good and make it better. And it says in the Bible that we go from glory to glory. Not from failure to failure, not from obstacle to obstacle, but because of the name of Jesus, I go from glory to glory, and I go from faith to faith. I go to victory to victory. I go from blessing to blessing, and that's what I choose to do today. Why don't you stand up on your feet to me and bless the Lord? Come on, Father, we thank you that we've been found in you. We thank you that we have been made one with Jesus. I thank you, Lord, we have had a name change. I thank you that because of my name change, my situations now get to change. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, heck, tov, come on, let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. What a mighty God. 
Maybe you're watching us this morning via the internet and you haven't met the name changer. His name is Jesus. And all it takes is just to open your heart and say, Jesus, I receive you. I believe the work you've done. And he becomes yours. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, go ahead and reach out and let us know so that we can get you hooked up with a good church in your area. But whatever situations you face this, work, this week, church, you have the opportunity for victory or you have the opportunity for misery. But because of your name, you get to choose which one. Choose Jesus and let the situations change. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and the great love with which you love us and that it will carry us through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are blessed. Have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee and fellowship.